Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and uh, joining the show today is Liz Nolasco. Hello. And maybe her baby. And Bethany Corey, and definitely her baby. Hi. (laughs) And uh, before I hit record, I said, let's just hit record and see what happens. So it's going to be that kind of an episode. (laughs) There's the other baby. All right. No one's going to listen to the audio now. They're all going (laughs) to wait for the video to come out so they can see your babies. Um, Okay, so we're going to talk about um, uh, working with, kind of working with families um, is is kind of where this is going. I don't have a quote from a book. I have a quote from life. (laughs) This is the amalgamation of several, a bajillion different calls and talks with parents. But we're going to talk about when, when families call like when I was a center director and now Liz, you're a center director and Bethany, you had your family child care um, uh, and probably got some parent calls. But when they call and they say, now, do children learn anything or do they, is it, are you just like daycare? Um, that kind of question, it comes in different forms. Sometimes it's, do they learn anything with you or do they just play? Sometimes it's, you know, just flat out, what do you do to teach them to read those kinds of things? Um, so that's 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 where we're going to start from. And I'll just say that this is of interest to me because it's something that I have been working on with for myself, even though I'm not a director anymore, I still come across those kinds of questions. And um, initially, your first reaction, right, is always, oh, for fuck's sake, this <laughs> question again. Um, at least for me, it was. Um, and And it used to really bother me and then um, when I was doing my, my training to be certified as a, a critical competencies trainer for zero to three, uh, Katrina Makasayat, who led that training, said something like, um, we were talking about those situations, and she said something like, um, it's parents advocating for their children's success. And... Um, that sort of shifted some things for me and helped me get past that initial inner rage that it was still a question that that was coming. Um, so anyway, that's, that's where I'm coming from with this. I'll pause for a minute now and see if you or your babies have anything to add. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, I, I should say, you know, like, I don't really get annoyed by that question. Okay, um, good. And I don't know if it's because of coming from being a nanny for so long and like getting the, oh, that's your babysitter question mm. all the time. Okay. Um, 
Oh God, he touched something. Okay. You're still, um, you're still on. Keep oh, going. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've just, I don't know. I don't know when or how, but I've just, it just rolls off my back. Like, hmm. like, sure. Like even when I had my in my own in-home daycare program, like people still called me the babysitter. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. And then I would sit on their children just to like, sure. just to, <laughs> just to get right. their money's worth. Yeah. yeah. Um, Meanwhile, I got so annoyed. I went to graduate school. So I'm impressed by your, <laughs> I know, right. I'm once again, in awe of Bethany's Zen. <laughs> Everyone is. Everyone yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but, but I think I can, I can also see, uh, like a, uh, uh, like the woman said, you know, the parents advocating for their child, because I think before, I think there are people who take care of children and they just let them play all day, but like the TV's on and mm. like, yeah, they're, you know, watching their soap operas or, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like I've had those parents recently mm -hmm. talk to me, you know, where their kid is just being watched by somebody who has no idea what's going on other than the kids are alive. And fed. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's hard to, to answer. Well, yeah, they just play all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, that's the other part of it is I could just answer that, but then I'm in on, on soapbox level already. And I'm, I'm really just having my first interaction with these families sometimes. Um, but I think, well, I'm going to see if Liz has anything she wants to add before I keep going. She Sorry, needs yeah, to be outraged. Aurelio also yeah. has things to add. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that, I think you might've been the person who shared that quote initially off air with the idea that parents are really just looking for the best things for their children yeah um and you know we can only combat this idea that children need very specific often expensive things to learn mm -hmm. um so much you know we individuals can't necessarily combat the marketing budget of what is it VTech or whatever yeah so yes. I, I think have starting in that place of empathy even if we also have that I, I will only speak for myself. I only already am starting with that inward annoyance of what do you think we're doing 24 hours a day? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just being able to step back, remember that all oh, anyone wants is the best for their child and come in from at least a neutral enough place of, oh, that's what's great about brains. Yeah. He's <laughs> <Just> learning. <laughs> yeah. And, and bringing up the VTech budget is so funny because that's, I mean, because it's funny, but also that's part of what um, I think about now when I am sort of talking myself down from that initial, um, I'll say fight or flight, because I want to fight about it when that question comes out a lot of times. But so if we think of it in terms of a parent advocating for their child's success, and then, you know, they're asking what they know to ask. It's, it's unreasonable of me to expect that a family contacting me would have the same level of information um, when they have, since before their babies were born, been receiving messages, um, marketing messages about what's educational and what's not. And everything has to be quote unquote educational and every toy should have that on the, 
um, on the label and, um, you know, you should be buying baby Einstein stuff. I don't even know if that's still a thing. I know they got in some trouble a few years ago, so I don't know if they still sell baby Einstein stuff, but, um, but anyway, I, I, I have sort of had to practice stepping into take a family's perspective on things. Of course, they don't know everything that we have studied to know, and that's not their fault. And what they do know is flawed often, not always, um, because of the culture they, they live in, that we all live in, that, um, that says children just, you know, are blank slates or deficit, walking deficits that we need to um, constantly be improving instead of just, let's all see if we can figure out child development a little bit, childhood a little bit. On top of how intensive parenting has become, like just the verb parenting, right? Yeah. It's so drastically different than it was a generation or two ago. Yeah. And this idea that just like you said, they're all blank slates. They need to be constantly improved upon. And then, you know, the parents are coming into this with their own schooling experience, right? Mm -hmm. Their own experience of success or not success in elementary high school, you know, whether or not they went to college, whether or not they want their child to go to college, you know? Yeah. And we've done a great job as an industry of pushing that, you know, early education is important, but we haven't done a great job of defining what early education is. Yes. And what's, what's so important about it. Yeah. Um, so will you talk more about how the verb parenting has changed? What do you mean? It's, there are now so many things to do. I mean, I, I read an article, I wish I could cite it. I will find it and send it to you uh, about how just the fact that you were a parent, but things you did weren't necessarily parenting, you know, 30 or 50 years ago. Yes. Uh-huh. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah. I'm, it's probably I'm sure. Alison Gopnik. It's probably from The Gardener and the Carpenter or something like that. Oh, that sounds plausible. Or yeah. something she wrote for The Atlantic. <laughs> she does that. Yes, I think you're right. Um, and it's, it's so intensive and all-consuming and every decision you're told to make has to directly benefit your child not just like the knowledge that it impacts your child but just that it has to be done in a specific in the right way uh-huh benefit your child the right way right um and there is in fact a wrong way and it's not just mistreating your child there's you know you can be bad and not know it <laughs> <laughs> so it's just become so intensive and there are so many experts and coaches and yeah. other people who have come out of the work, woodwork and carve their niche in this very lucrative industry of telling people what they're doing wrong and screwing up their next generation. Yeah. And so it's just this, if you let it, it can become this massively anxiety producing activity instead of just the thing we've been doing pretty successfully for hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love that Heather's, your, um, I love your stance against parenting books. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I love reading parenting books. Uh -huh. I have probably spent like the last 15 years just reading like every parenting book I can. Yeah. Um, and usually screaming during yeah. most of the reading of it. Um, but I just started reading, um, oh, like Hunt, Gather, Parent or something yeah. like that that just came out. Uh -huh. uh, and it drives me nuts. Like I... I love the idea of it, but the whole, like the language she uses through it is just 
frustrating. Oh, okay. Um, but guess you know, we won't have her on the show. Oh, we could. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll do an interview with her. Okay. Maybe. What's your name? I don't even know her name. I don't either. Anyway, um, mystery I'm sorry. author. Yeah. Um, but you know, the whole thing is just like, just like let your kid help and do things. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, I haven't finished yet, so maybe yeah. she. Has yeah. Maybe she changes. Maybe know. there's a sharp change. Um, well, so so. I'm, that's funny that you mentioned my my stance against parenting books. It's not all parenting books, um, uh, but here's here's my if anyone is is wondering here's my my <laughs> advice about parenting books. Um, for one thing, if you go into a half price bookstore and there's a note inside a post it note inside the cover of a book that says "Don't buy this, but buy these instead," I probably left that there. <laughs> um, I hope no one from half price books is listening, but if if the if the book says if the book's focus is on controlling or taming uh or uh winning the battle or has that kind of language then it, avoid it if it talks about supporting and understanding then maybe it's it's okay um so there there you got the nutshell version of what i think about parenting books okay so heather hates but also if you go to but... a bookstore and look at the parenting section and just look at the titles that's all the evidence you need that we have rampant childism well, <laughs> going it's, on It's here. so overwhelming. Like you're, you know, you have what, 10 friends, you find out you're pregnant and tell people and 10 friends give you their favorite yeah. parenting book. And this parent, this per- expert is saying, well, start playing classical music to your yeah. womb and like, yeah. Which whatever. isn't going to hurt the baby. Yeah. But, but it's, it's not just gonna... like all of these things to worry about. Yeah. And um, we just did a big across to a different state move. move. <laughs> and none of my crap is unpacked. And my baby's playing with like, you know, the spoon, the wooden spoons <laughs> that I've finally <laughs> gotten into the kitchen. And uh-huh. he's happier now than when. I had the whole daycare set up in my house yeah. with every toy and a child could, I mean, not any toy, but yeah. you know, with like way more toys than a child. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's like parents don't, don't get to see that. They just see like, Oh, my friends who have kids, their house is overtaken with all these toys. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have to get ABC mouse so that they can yeah. start learning <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think this is another way that we've misused, um, not just as a whole culture, but even within our, our field and early childhood educators, um, the brain research about how important those early years are, right? We've used it to instill fear that it can go horribly wrong um, if you don't get it perfect. But we've also used, you know, it's also make makes it sound like, oh, well, then we really do need to cram all this classical stuff and this um, academic stuff and the worksheets and the educational toys with 7 million lights on them. Um, because, because heaven forbid, we miss this opportunity in these first few right. years and, and how terrifying to be a parent in that, in that kind of a context. You're both muted. I think there's this sense of, I'm sorry, there's a that's being for both. Um, I think there's this sense of um, needing. So when a parent is asking, you know, 
are you a daycare or are you a preschool, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Or what are what are the hours my child should be here? Um, yeah. Is one that I feel exactly. like I get sometimes. Um, and it's I, I think taking a step back to remember <laughs> all of the crazy messages that they've been fed. Yeah. And then yeah, being able to give the honest answer of you know we love it when they're here. They should be here on a you know routine basis to yeah. be used to us, to build the relationships with us and to and their classmates. Mm-hmm. And also like if you're taking a vacation, we're not going to stop you from taking a vacation. Like spend time with your family. If grandma's in town, you can stay home. That's okay. Yeah. And it's not that we don't want to see him, but it's that grandma wants to see. Him yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're complicit in this too because I've I've seen and worked in centers, a lot of them where um, parents are scolded if their kids aren't there by nine o'clock because nine o'clock is when the learning starts. Circle time. Circle time at <laughs> nine o'clock and then followed by all the other lesson plan stuff. Um, so nine to 1130 is when we really want your kids here or they're missing the benefits of our, you know, whatever program. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that, but I'm not surprised they ask that because if they've been to another center that had those rules or they've talked to someone, um, uh, I had a family recently that they were very family oriented. The parents worked full time, but tried to take like as much time with their child as they could. And it was interesting because it was a full-time spot that they had, mm-hmm. but the hours were so erratic that it made, like, they never became part of our group. Oh, okay. Um, And so I had never thought before, like, like I've never told, I've never had anybody ask, but I've never thought about like, oh, it feels important to me to have kids here like a certain, during a certain time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there is that, you know, I don't do circle time and all that and whatever, but it's, I, I have found that I value like having a regular drop-off time so that, you know, like that makes, it makes my community of the, you know, me and the group of kids flow better. Right. Um, But, and that's relationship focused, right? It's not academic focus. Yeah. And it's like changing that, changing the script. I think with parents, like, you know, I'll say like, yes, we play all day Mm -hmm. and (laughs) this is what they're learning, you know, yeah. and this is, this is how, you know, it doesn't look like us sitting down for a worksheet or sitting down and doing calendar at circle time, but, you know, we're looking forward to this event. So that's how we're, you know, we're thinking about time and uh-huh. Uh-huh. the passage of time. We don't need, we don't need the calendar. Right. Because we're, we're literally experiencing it. Uh, I'm getting ready to start another semester, and one of the classes I'm teaching is our curriculum in early childhood class. And I'm very excited about the um, the opportunity to uh, sort of blow apart circle time, yeah. and calendar time, and stuff well, like and that for these students. It's really interesting in in programs that still have like a meaningful circle time. Yeah. Um, I think people can still see that and be like, oh, well, we should have circle time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're still having to force everybody to come and sit down crisscross applesauce, like. 
Or we're getting on a different topic. Yeah, that's a different but. episode. But we can do that one too sometime. So um, when I when I pitched this idea for a show, I sort of framed it as um, looking at that question and why that question comes up, but then also seeing uh, seeing those times as opportunities to meet parent needs, kind of in the way we think of children. You know, if they have a behavior that's challenging us or challenging for us we look for the reason, right? We look for the need, we look for what they're trying to communicate and then that that guides our response. So um, so I'm just curious if we can do the same thing with grown up parents who have these, these questions and fears. Yeah, I think that's our job. Like, you know, we're, our job is to take care of children, mm-hmm. but like, it's also to like take care of the family too. And- <laughs> And they don't, you know, like you said, like they don't know what they don't know. So we, uh, we need to have a way to, to talk to them without being like, right. Angry. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's too much for that initial conversation. I don't, I don't think that in that first, you know, the first, my specific example of a family calling, um, looking for care in a center, I'm, I'm direct working in and directing or whatever and asking that question that's not necessarily the time to try and change minds or teach a lot but we can you know we need to have that answer like we need to have something that's um expressive of our philosophy and honest um when a family's making that decision and I then being able a, to draw a, a parallel to adult oh nope go ahead to adult experiences can also be really valuable. Uh-huh. Um, you know, being able to say like, okay, when you got your job, even if this is something that you trained very specifically for, you took, you know, you went to college, you did whatever to take this job, there were still things you had to learn on the job experientially. So you didn't learn by somebody sitting down and teaching you. You learned because you were faced with something and you had like 75% of the information uh-huh. and you had to gather the other 25% and you played with it. It may not have felt like playing if you're learning like Excel, but it's still, <laughs> you're playing with, this information yeah. using what you have you're building on it and now you can do this new thing mm-hmm. and you might have used your resources of other people you might have used books because you're able to read and you're an adult but you still played with this until you got it right mm-hmm. all we ask our kids to do mm-hmm. that's a really good interesting way of thinking about it that i hadn't thought about uh before um everybody's muted now because the babies are getting impatient for their mommies <laughs> Um, but yeah, being able to put anything that we that we talk to other adults about regarding children, anytime we can try and put it in an adult context that's more relatable and relevant to their life, uh, I think that's really useful. Just like with children, it needs to be relevant and and meaningful in their life if we expect them to be interested in or to, to want to explore it. We have to do the same thing for families. Francis agrees. Yeah. Francis is my yes man. <laughs> <laughs> been getting lots of smiles <laughs> you can also frame it with what they've already seen their kids do right when you're so many preschool programs where i am started to um thanks to licensing having an infant license that goes up to two years old and then a preschool license that starts at two years old uh, so many preschool programs start at two or two and a half and uh-huh. so it's great to be able to talk to parents who are touring and about preschool for the first time and say okay so Tell me about a time that your toddler has just stunned you with a word or an action that you didn't know you were teaching them. 
because that's all of our curriculum, right? Oh, yeah. You know, when your toddler says, you know, excuse me for the first time, because you said, excuse me, 17 million times, <laughs> or, you know, or starts putting, you know, putting the spoon to their mouth or whatever else that you've modeled for them. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing. And that's what their brains are meant to do. And it's not sitting them down and drilling them on spoon skills. It's showing them, offering them the opportunity, and then they, they pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then, you know, at least some of those parents are going to say, um, but none of that's valuable for being ready for kindergarten. Like none of that's going to be on the kindergarten screening. So how are you specifically getting them ready for that piece? And um, uh, again, I have that moment of, uh, (laughs) and And my blood pressure just ticks up a little bit. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I have to bring things back to the frontal lobe. (laughs) I find it interesting because with that question, I mean, like we have like the kindergarten, like pre-screening, whatever yeah. interview that they have to, that I think most places do. Yeah. Um, and those are always very academic and, um, you know, they're having to count and identify words, yeah. like words they know or yeah. don't know. And it's right um, or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, in the last school district I was in, several of the teachers that I knew who taught kindergarten, they would post, okay, this is what your kid really needs to know for kindergarten. And it was all social emotional (laughs) skills. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Screw what everybody else is saying. (laughs) If if the teachers are saying, this is what, I don't care if they can count to 100 or count by fives or can identify 100 sight words. Hey. Um, I mean, there was, I knew one program that that was her claim to fame was every kid going to kindergarten knew all of the sight words on the kindergarten oh, sight word list. And I'm yeah, like, why? Like what? Kindergarten what is- sight word lists. <laughs> Bullshit. Sorry, babies. Yeah. He's <laughs> never heard that before. Yeah. I can't believe you ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I get, but, that's what I then, get is, kindergarten teachers who are like if they can write something that looks close to their name and they can be in a group then I can do everything else I need to do with them this year yeah I mean that's really that's that's all they need yeah yeah interesting and the name one is so easy I feel like it's so easy to overthink because it's such a big step but there is no four-year-old in the world who doesn't want to write their name when they realize that if my name is on this, nobody else can take it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We completely ignore the power of their name to do a lot of the things we think are goals, you know, writing or, or reading or whatever. Yeah. The get out sign. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No boys allowed sign. What else? (laughs) Yes. So motivating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. So I'm trying to remember how this was posed, but it's what it's. So there's another thing I wanted to run by you both. Um, But I've, I've been doing interviews um, as part of this, uh, as you both know, process for a book I might be able to write. The jury's out yet whether I could really do it, but I've been doing interviews with um, uh, parents about the topic of the book. And um, I was talking to one of the parents who I used to take care of her little boy when he was one. Um, and now he's giant. Um, but anyway, so we were talking about things like I was asking them about 
pressures they felt or messages they got about learning uh, when their children were little. And um, she, she shared a, an example um, and then asked if I thought that privilege, racial privilege falls into this conversation about getting children ready and ac early academic pressure. Um, and, and I hadn't thought about it until she posed it. Um, but the idea that, you know, maybe a marginal, a parent who's been marginalized or um, wasn't able to pursue, you know, go to college um, because of, um, you know, structural, structural inequities would feel more pressured to really be focusing on academics from the beginning. And if that would change how we how we respond. There is a wonderful bit by fantastic comedian W. Kamau Bell where he talks about looking Love him. for his oldest daughter. Uh -huh. And he said he lives in Berkeley, so there are a ton of these beautiful, wonderful play-based preschools. And he says, you know, I'm raising a black woman. She needs to be smart. She needs to be the top of her class because if not, she's not going to get that respect. Uh -huh. And I'm paraphrasing so badly. Wow. That was yeah. the takeaway from it, right? Yeah. And and you know, my own experience in various areas with various families has been very, very similar. Yeah, there, there just there isn't that sense of time for all families that children are going to get there. They're, Eventually, they're so much or, you know, that's pressure you yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like programs that serve underserved communities have that pressure too. Like they can't, uh -huh. they can't say that they're just, you know, like Head Start. Right. They can't. Anybody who's in Head Start has and is, has a play-based philosophy has to fight yes. to get that so that, you know, they can provide the children with what they feel is yeah. of value because the academics is being pushed down yeah. in that setting too. So, so I don't, and I don't know the answer to this. I, uh, so now what I'm, what I'm really thinking about, I don't know, maybe someone listening has a brilliant answer and they'll add it to the comments when we post this or something, but um that that's real. I, I don't deny that. And I am privileged not to have to, had to have had to worry about that when my children were little. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that that's not how children learn, right? That's not how we get them prepared for, for future academic success. Always, you know, some children, sure, if they're showing us that interest, we build on it. Um, uh, so I don't know, that puts me in this circle that I don't know, uh, what, what the answer is. I don't know how, how I would interact with that parent in that situation. If so it would need to be different. Racism and oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> right here. You don't even need all the commentary. I was oh also going to say like, white women aren't going to solve this either. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why, you know, I need, I, I'm interested in, in your perspectives because you're on the show with me, but, um. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I need to, I, I, here's what I'll say. If you want to be one of those interviewers or interviewees for me to help me with this, let me know if you have a perspective on this, we'll talk. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, I mean, there, there are programs out there run by, you know, black indigenous people of uh -huh. color like uh -huh. that that are play-based and right 
and and so it's um it is interest like where how does that message cross mm -hmm. and how can we help families right who, who are, have that who have that extra intense pressure <laughs> um or fear or you know just protective urge about their child i don't have i don't know <laughs> i don't know either i don't know either i mean i know part of the answer is to build relationships with the individual families that we're talking about and and listen to listen to their sides and their their fears and um see where it goes from there but um, it's all about relationships yeah i know i just was grateful for that that um for that mom for bringing that question yeah. up to me and giving me something different to think about in this um when i'm thinking about this um this topic and this process um so i felt like it was important to acknowledge while we were all talking but yeah not necessarily have the answer yeah yeah what else what else can we do anything to help meet family needs in this thank you francis is handing me a paper of his notes <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of notes folks yeah perfect um or do you, do you feel like we've wrapped it up can i hear relationship again like please so i think so so much of it is parent history and this goes to race is and class. parent what parent history oh okay school and their experience in the education oh yes system. um so speaking for myself i don't know I have a general overview of your school experience and backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. School and I did not get what along well. Mm -hmm. I was self-motivated. I taught myself a lot of stuff. I read cool things, but like doing it for somebody else to give me a grade is not my jam. So, <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, so being, you know, part of the educational system and yet outside of the educational system and also setting kids up to go into that mainstream educational mm -hmm. system for the most part. You know, I have my perspective and also every day I work, you know, talk to 10 parents who were the exact opposite of me. They could do everything right when they were supposed to. They were able to meet those teacher expectations and like not care about the 15 other mm -hmm. interesting things going on. They could just listen to the teacher and learn about biology. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just knowing the diversity of experiences that each of our families are coming in with. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones who had to work really hard, the ones who had to overcome learning disabilities to attain that mainstream success, who have that internal pressure that just keeps going because they don't want their kids to struggle the way they did. Mm -hmm. Or the ones who breezed through school, it wasn't an issue at all for them. And so they would like to set up the exact same environment that they had to replicate their own success yeah. for their child. You know, it's, it's each parent coming in with that, you know, do you play or are you a daycare has such different the same and different motivation for it and yeah. they all need those different answers and being able to have that conversation which we don't generally have the luxury of the time to have those long conversations with families mm -hmm. yeah. but it's it's huge and when you can kind of touch on that and make them think even if they don't divulge their whole right. last 25 years of their lives to you and they may not be aware that that memory is what's triggering you know they they may not have made that connection and they may have but um yeah, I wanted to come back to that and then I forgot. So thank you for, for bringing it up again, Liz. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think that then when we have that question from a family, we, we, we ask more questions. We don't even need to have an answer. We just say, like I, uh, when parents ask me, you know, do kid, will, will so-and-so, will my son be ready for school? 
with the way you're doing things. And I always now say, um, what does that mean? What does ready for school mean for you? Um, and because otherwise I can go into my spiel, but maybe they're just asking um, for me to sort of calm them down about that. Maybe they want me to say, you don't have to worry so much about it. Or maybe they do really need to see how this all connects to future school success. And I think we can make those arguments appropriately. We can, you know, we can, we can talk about how the things we do, you know, set children up to do well. Um, well, and even I think if that, we don't like the system we're sending them to. Yeah, I think part of that is like, like touching on responsive caregiving. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, with infants, you know, that's an easy, that's an easy. Um, Sell? thing to note uh, yeah an easy sell <laughs> easy thing to notice like they're crying okay oh. let me see what they need yeah, or right. nope they need to be in the crib but they have eaten their bottle 20 minutes ago and <laughs> it, they can cry they're in the crib okay okay never <laughs> mind <laughs> not to those parents but right. all, but like you're I guess you know it, it could be we're asking questions of the families but it could also be just letting them know like like oh well will we get to know your child and find uh, out what they need and find out what their interests are. And, yeah. and then we can provide that for them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Don't know well, works, I think, but. I mean, that comes, that comes around to something I love to talk about, which is making learning visible for parents mm -hmm. or making those connections visible because you're right. If we say, well, we're responsive caregiving with a baby means I, you know, I pick them up, I hold them, I do what they need. That's easy to observe, easily observable and measurable really. Um, but some of these other, um, you know, getting them ready to read, getting them ready for math, whatever they, they those concerns are, the connections are harder to see. And so they're looking with the lens that they have, which is usually their school memory or um, the book they read or what they're, neighbor's kid did at preschool um so we it's another opportunity for us to meet that need I guess is to find ways to make those connections visible in ways that they will um be comfortable with like I I've used this example before but I remember when I was first working in the speech language preschool um I did just like a full bulletin board of photos of children in free play. And then I looked in our Indiana Early Learning Foundations, you know, standards. And for each photo, I could find one standard that it could be the child was practicing in that play. And I remember my colleague just looking at the whole thing and saying, how did you know that would happen? <laughs> how did you know they would do these things? I was like, well, it's, it's more about understanding play and trusting play and then you can make these connections but um so th things like that can be helpful for families but it's it's a, in the context of relationship you know they, they've enrolled their children with us they've we've gotten through that initial phone call they're here with us now and I'm I'm doing you know whatever I think I need to do to make that more visible to them so that they can be comfortable and relaxed and just enjoy what's happening with their child it's hard addressing that question in that first phone call, especially because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they know what they want to hear. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They probably they already know, have a script that they're hoping we're going to yeah. stick with when they ask that question. Well, and they've heard the horror stories too, from their friends who had, you know, the babysitter who watched 
soap operas all day while they <laughs> munched on Cheetos. Mm, what um, a beautiful day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the kids name. the kids were watching so yes yeah i gotcha yeah um and so you know they're they're trying to figure out like how can i how can i find out like is this person lazy and mm-hmm. going to do work on her scrapbooking at the <laughs> dining yeah. room table all day <laughs> yeah yeah were you there when i was doing family shop care <laughs> were you in my house no, and it wasn't my house either. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I had those things set up. I wasn't doing it when the children were there, but I was definitely had the I'm sitting, uh, When yeah. I heard the scrapbooking thing, I'm going, so if you walk in on me knitting while the kids are yeah. playing, are, are you going to have the same reaction? <laughs> yeah. 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 I was, um, one time I was a toddler teacher with those one-year-olds and I was in the classroom and they were all very happily engaged. And I had one little one sitting right next to me and I was like uh, crocheting while I was watching them and, and, and observing. And another teacher from another classroom walked in, opened the door and she went, oh, are we learning to knit today? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, it's crochet. <laughs> one hook. <laughs> I, but I was like, yeah, I think, maybe. Like, we're I think just every child I've taken, yeah, every child I've taken care of has wanted to knit at age four. They're just like, I'm ready, and I'm like, yeah. you're not, dude. <laughs> you can play with the yarn, but you're not ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Okay, that's a different conversation. Yeah, it is. We'll do another a knitting up a knitting episode too. So this episode, I should have been writing down all the things that I said for other episodes. <laughs> Um, but I think this is a good, a good stopping point with this, um, because your babies are restless. <laughs> so thank you both, all four of you for being here, um, making your, well, it's not their nerd debuts because I'm sure they've both been on screen before. Uh, but, uh, but I appreciate them being here today and being part of this. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, babies. Can you say bye-bye? Bye, yep, there's a little bye. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening or watching, whichever one you're doing here. And I uh, w- hope you come back again next week for another episode. Bye. Bye. And that's bye. the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.